hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. Are you ready for the word of the Lord today? All right. Welcome back, Pastor Kevin from North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a, a whirlwind. Our, the boys became men yesterday. They got their rear end handed to them. Played one game, uh, got beat by Tennessee 18 to three. So they play Virginia at 12.45 today. So I went down for that game yesterday and they have to win the next two. They played it today, they play Virginia at 12.45 and then they, they win, well, even if they lose, they play three games in the pool play. So they'll play today at 12.45 and then tomorrow night at 6.15, they play North Carolina. And uh, if they win those two games, they progress to the semifinals on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they played at 10 o'clock yesterday morning. And, you know, it goes to show you when you're playing, because these teams, Tennessee and Virginia and North Carolina, they have teams to pull from. They pull from, like Tennessee, for example, had 16 little league teams in their league, in their district. They're, 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 they're 16. We have four. That's a lot of kids, you know what I mean? And they play all year round. And um, so it was, a, it was a kind of an eye-opener for our kids. You, you know, you, ha- you have an opportunity in life. Let me just take it as a life lesson. Caden would love this, because um, he hates life lessons. <laughs> um, you know, you have an opportunity in life. So you, have to, you have to recognize the call that the Lord has placed on your life, right? And if your call or that stamp that he puts on you is, is large, you have to begin to see yourself bigger than perhaps you see yourself. As a man thinks in his heart, scripture says, so is he, yeah. right? So when we're over here playing four, ki- four teams, there's four teams in the league over here in Benson, it's, it's wonderful to, to win the league or become the all-stars. And then you're part of a district and you're playing other uh, win in the district, and then you go play all the other districts in the state. And if your goal is that, that's wonderful. It's incredible. But when you have a call in your life that starts representing West Virginia, you have to start seeing yourself just a little bit differently. Little old team from Vinson, or little old team from Barbersville, little old team from Hurricane, or little old team from, you know, the city of Huntington, whatever it might be you're part of, you might find yourself thrust into a, a spotlight or arena that's huge. And the Lord would not have put you there if you didn't have the ability or skill to have it, right? And the hardest part that people have, teams have, is that they have to have the adjustment in their mind that they belong on that field. They belong in that arena. Let me just make that about you, okay? You might have come from a family that didn't have much. You may have come from a, 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 a city or a community that was from the farm or from the backside of the city or the inner city or, or, or maybe you went from a, from a broken home. I don't know what your route to get there is, but when you find yourself a part of something that's bigger than you, you have one of two choices. You adjust the way you see it or you reduce who you are. 
and you gotta see yourself bigger. Because for the first time, they weren't called Vincent there. They were called West Virginia. Right? They had to take on a whole nother identity because they were representing many people that didn't even know who they were and they didn't know who they were. What do you do when God blesses your business or you individually into a place and you find yourself representing the group of people that you don't even hardly know, but somehow you got there. He calls you to write a book that represents Appalachia. He calls you to start a business that starts out real small and before you know it, you're representing an entire county or a city. Right? Is that okay? Now, it's perfectly okay if you're called just to, to, to represent your family and just to be in that small community. Do it well. Amen. Do it very well. You're not that, not always, bigger isn't always better. Right? But the metro that he places on, the metric that he places on your life, you have to recognize the, 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 the environment or the atmosphere is going to prepare a way for you. The question is, are you preparing yourself for your atmosphere or your environment? And it was clear the kids had to make some adjustments because they were awestruck. And I'm telling you, their coaching staff is some of the best coaches I've ever seen. Incredible men, fundamental teachers, inspiring, technique, much bigger than their current surrounding. And the reason I tell you that is that until they got whipped yesterday, they had to come to grips with, whoa, we're supposed to be here. See, if you're not careful, you can get so down on this community here we're in. There's a lot to get down on if you're part of any of those social groups, social um, media groups that always picture all the bad stuff that's going on in town. You know what I'm talking about? Or you're a scanner listener too. I'm on metal today. I can just feel it. I drove all the way back here from last night from Greenville. I'm on metal. If you're one of those people that are constantly just always listening for the negativity of the thing, you'll find it. Okay, it's here. All right, and just ask a few people that you, that you know, they'll find. But what about us that's here that's called to see a change or transformation here. Right. You see what I mean? You say? When, 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 when the kingdom of God is, it's the only kingdom, it's the only uh, culture that can be set in any culture and thrive. Whether it be East, Middle Eastern culture, Far Eastern culture, Western co culture, it doesn't matter what culture you place the kingdom in, it's supposed to thrive. Okay, healing works in any culture. Prosperity works in every culture. It's just all part of the kingdom. Look at what Paul did when he went to Ephesus. Do you all remember when Paul went to Ephesus? Paul has a kind of conversion, he was Saul, has a conversion, gets thrust into Ephesus, he comes up there and they're going, wait a minute, these people are turning our city upside down and they're threatening our economy. And the way we always lived and the way we always once did life is now being changed and challenged. And Paul was just up there preaching the kingdom. And when he began to preach the kingdom, the kingdom began to challenge all of the current structures of life from education to architecture to business, to economics, family values. It began to just challenge all of that. And when it began to challenge it, 
it began to make change because people started buying into the kingdom of God's culture and that realm of influence, that way of life. And when they changed into that, began to buy into it, it began to challenge the current structure of the city. And the people that were in political power, governmental power, financial power, educational power, people that had influence come back and begin to go, wait a minute. We don't like what they're saying because it's threatening the way we make our living. It's threatening the way we do life. We're perfectly okay being first, right? But I don't want you bringing that that kingdom culture in here. That's crazy. So Paul challenged it, pushed on it. And when he began to push on it, it became momentum because you, you could sit the kingdom of, of God as it says, it's like a, 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 a little leaven. You stick it anywhere. All it takes is a little plant and it begins to grow. It has to grow. You can't hold it down. It's an ever increasing kingdom. So it has to grow. Is that right? But it starts with us. You have to see yourself that you're part of something that's different than just the status quo of a, a regular system of beliefs and a system of understandings. You're, you're bigger than that. As you see it, that's what it will be. Y'all believe that? It starts right here, you gotta see it and believe it. You have to see it or believe it. If it's all woe is me, then the best you'll get to see and experience will be all woe is me. If you drive down the city of Huntington and you start seeing some things in the city in the streets and you, and you read all the social media and the news and all that, and I know there's a bunch of stuff. I, I drive by these houses that are falling in that drives me insane. You know what I'm talking about? And you can't do anything about them because there's asbestos in them and their landlord owns the house. The taxes are more than what it's worth to tear it down and it costs more money to tear it down than what it's worth, right? So they're stuck. Maybe they don't have the money. So you look at all these different dilapidated houses across the city. So what happens is we go, gosh, so all the drug users and the, 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 the people from the, you know, around the city that don't have a place to go, they begin squatting and, play, and living in those places. You know what I'm talking about? And then we as a church shake our head as we go by there. We had one when we lived, owned that property on 18th Street. Do you remember the White House that was right next door that we ended up tearing down? It took us almost a year to get that thing torn down because of the, the red tape you have to go through to tear a house down. And we owned it. I mean, we had to go through historic society. It was a whole thing. But in the meantime, we would board it up. The city would come and they did a great job of helping us protect it. They board it up. But two, two or three days later, guess what? They'd tear down the entrances into these houses. And then there would be, I'd be, I'd rent prostitutes out of there, drug deals out, I mean, all kinds of things. And right next door was a shooting and a killing, right next door to that, because all that stuff attracts all that. Now, here's the thing. You can shake your head at it, which we did, or we can say, this city's falling apart, or we can look around and say, there's more of us than there is of them. So what are we gonna do? What do we do? Do we just throw up our hands, or do you fight? And I'm not talking about fight each other, or fight them. You're fighting a principality of a mind, a thinking system that has to change first with us. I saw it in those boys yesterday. They walked up and they saw Tennessee come up there and I mean, they could have come off a jet. And those kids got off that, and you're watching them play and the first pitcher's throwing the ball about 70 miles an hour and our kids are looking at them going, ooh, here we go. Yeah. And they just, they were just intimidated. All because they felt like they were out of their league. 
I, I really believe that. Now, I'm not saying that every one of them felt that way, but, but a lot did. But as a whole, you know, how do you feel? How do you feel about your city, your region, your, your house, your business, your job? How do you feel? How does it, how does it work? How does it, what can I do to make a difference and a change? I'll tell you what the, the enemy has done to us. And I know, I know a lot of this is, um, I'm gonna go to in 1 Corinthians chapter four in just a minute, but I'm leading into all of that. Somehow I'll tie it all together and act, or at least act like I did. And if you guys were nice to me, you'll appreciate it. Um, but The church can't be an extension of the Rotary Club. or the Kiwanis. Those are all good civic social organizations. But the church is a spiritual institution that encapsulates social activities. But it can't be a social institution trying to do things that are spiritual. Now, some places, and I've been a part of some, and I know some people this way, everything's the devil. Right, have a conversation with them for a few minutes and it's the devil's this, the devil's that. that. Man, the devil's just doing it. He's tearing my family down. The devil's just wreaking havoc in this city. The devil is, and I talked to him for a few minutes and before you know it, I'm going, I'd like to, can I meet this devil? Because he seems pretty powerful. And keep in mind how the devil is not omnipresent, right? Only God is. All right, so how is he wreaking havoc everywhere at the same time, right? How is he doing that? And he seems to be doing a pretty good job and getting a heck of a lot of credit. And I'll tell you why, is where there are people, people. People either are representing darkness or they're representing an illuminating light. It's people. Now, the influences from demonic forces are there. I'm not gonna discount that. But it ain't all the devil. Sometimes it's just the way you think. And if you think like the devil, he don't have to be there. You, you represent him well. Right? And, and, and we've, we've, we as a church world have re, tried to represent like carnality. We say it's carnal. We, we have got to make the shift from carnal thinking to spiritual minded. Amen. All right? But first we've got to define what the carnal mind and the carnal life is. Carnal is not just dirty jokes and pornography. Carnal, carnality is anything that's fleshly. Even if you have good intentions doing something in the human effort, it's still carnal. Relying on your own understanding is carnality. But the church loves to bring and categorize these things over here and say, well, that person cusses, they're just carnal. They tell dirty jokes, that's cussing. So kids in school, grow up to learn to bring the divide from what looks like wholesomeness or holiness and, 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 and filthiness. So we learn how, what's right and what's wrong, but what we really have not really learned, as even as adults, is what is humanity and the reliance on humanity and carnality? 
and people are living life, we are all doing it, depending and relying on our human effort without being grounded in the spiritual aspect of Christ. Jesus is our savior, but very few people that in the world today, in the Christianity world, no, I shouldn't say very few, but less than that should be, are living spiritual lives. We're living in carnality. We gotta know the difference between the two. I'm gonna start a series right after our SFA, and it's gonna be called Life After Death. And it's not just necessarily when we get there, even though I'll talk about that, it's gonna be life after the death when you become saved. What do you do life after death? You, you can't be dead men walking. How do you access life once you've taken on his identity? In the Old Testament, they, what they would do, if a man killed a man or had touched a dead person, they would tie him on the back of their body, the, the dead corpse on the back of a living man, and he had to walk around with that dead corpse on the back for, until finally the decay and erosion of this dead body and, the, and, the, and, the, and all the, the diseases from the dead man got on the living man. And he walked around until he got sick and died. I just described some of the New Testament church. We're carrying around the old way, not knowing how to take on a new. And we're gonna talk about that. I'm gonna spend the whole month of August, right after that SFA, life after death. And we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna have examples. We're gonna demonstrate it as much as just teach it and preach it, okay? And have some living examples. Because we have got to get into there. Here's why. As we move into what the Lord is doing across the earth in families, especially, let's just say take our region, for example. As we move into this, we're gonna to have to know how to handle success. I know a lot of people know how to handle adversity. In fact, many of us have majored on it. You know what I'm talking about? All right, but what are you gonna do when you, how do you handle success? How do you handle on top and not on the bottom? See, that's what happened to these young guys yesterday. They got there and, and they're good kids, good families, good, just solid, solid kids. But what do you do when the Lord just, just pushes you out in the spotlight right here beyond your comfort zone, how do you handle, handle, handle that? What do you do when promotion and the Lord just dumps something in your lap? I mean, I'm seeing it in businesses. I'm seeing it in people's lives. I'm seeing people getting thrust into areas. I saw this just past week, a company that we're connected to got offered an opportunity that excels that company well beyond They've ever, they could have ever thought dream. All right, so their question is, can we measure up to the opportunity that's being presented to us? Because as you begin to operate in another level, another area, life challenges you. And then you have to handle your situation differently than you did when you were on the bottom. When you're the underdog, you have nothing to lose. You surprise everybody when you win. But what do you do when you're on, you're, you're supposed to win. And you know you're supposed to win. And everybody around you knows you're supposed to win. The pressure now is trying not to lose. And that's how we adjust it. 
But it shouldn't be try not to lose. It should be jumping right into our own skin where God has called us to be. That making sense? This is important. Because what, what are you gonna do when he removes? You, see, if you're born again and saved, the, 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 the excuse of a sinner saved by grace has been removed from you. You're, you're not just a sinner saved by grace. You're now a saint that's been saved from sin. Right? So now that you're a saint saved by sin, how does that change your life towards your, your outlook on life and how you're gonna live this thing when your whole world is different now? You give your heart to the Lord. You were, it's, it's easier when you were a sinner saved by grace, but now that you're a saint saved from sin, how do you live this thing from the top and not the bottom, the head and not the tail? Those can't be just rallying points to get us to sing another song, to get us a little bit more encouraged to go take on that devil that's beating up the entire city. Good? Some of you need to remind yourself of who prophesied over you when you were a kid. That's you're an adult now. Some of you even up in your senior years and people prophesied and spoke over your life and prayed over you. You've not seen it fully come to pass in your life and you about give up on it, but it's been coming back to your mind over the last little bit. You need to bring it right back on the forefront because the Lord didn't forget that word. And he didn't say you missed it. He's bringing it right back around here. It might be in different circumstances, a different situation. It might even be with different people and players in your life than you thought it was gonna be back then. But it's still gonna come to pass. What we're gonna do in the fall is we're going to launch some outreach ministry here from the church. Okay? And... We've got some things in place that are moving into place where we're gonna you know, talk about, we're gonna maybe do some, some clothing, some food, some outreach for you know, addiction recovery and those kind of things, but some street ministry as well. Um, we're gonna minister to the kids. You know, we just can't be a, an IHOP, put up a sign and serve good food. Hope people come. Gotta go get it. Because there's, there's 30 kids that get off the bus across the street here. Ever, when school starts, 30 kids get off the bus right here. 30. And they go right over into there. Right? We're not a rotary. I'm getting on my soapbox here a little bit today. I had eight hours to drive back and think about all this. No, I'm, I'm really excited about what the Lord is doing because there's so many good things that are happening. I gotta get us in a position to lead from strength and not always trying to get ourselves out of our weakness. You know, what do you do when you, you have healing in your hands? You have the gift of the, the, the word of wisdom that flows and the gift of no, an understanding of knowledge and you understand, like Paul said, I, I got all these gifts, but I'll put it all away for, 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 to see the life change for Christ. I put all of that stuff away. So what are you gonna do when you begin to fluently operate in areas of your life that's gonna change? And you bring change. Let me, let me throw a scripture at you real fast. First Corinthians chapter four. Let's, uh, I was gonna read this whole passage of scripture, but I think I'm just gonna read verse 17. For this cause, I, hang on a second. 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17. 2 Corinthians, sorry about that, Mike. Second Corinthians 4, 17. Here we go. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Look at this. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. But for a moment, we have light affliction. We go through stuff that hurts and causes pains. We go through setbacks and heartaches and, and, and knocks us off balance, and they're, they're but for a moment. But Paul says it this way, we don't look at the things that are seen, the things that are seen are temporal. We look at the things that are not seen, those are eternal. Now here's the thing, if you only package that as if it's talking about I'm enduring life today till one day I can go to be with Jesus in heaven, you're gonna get half the ticket. You get half the plan. Because one day we're gonna go spend eternity with Jesus, but that's not what Paul's just talking about. What he's talking about is listen, there is a seen realm of life and there is an unseen realm of life. Afflictions that hit us in our seen realm, the realm that we live that affect our everyday life, are really only but a moment. Nothing comes to stay, it comes to pass. Now sometimes it seems like forever they come and forever they stay. You get hit with some sickness and man, you've had it for three or four years or 10 years or 20 years. You think, well, this is gonna take me out, this is it. This is, I'm gonna have to live with this the rest of my life. There, that, that could be well that you have something that in your body that's afflicting you. But there is something that's greater than the affliction that you're experiencing for a moment. It is an unseen realm of living and life that far passes the external circumstances of life. You can have peace and joy, victory, you can have that in your heart and in your mind in the midst of a hurting body. You can be going through a divorce, you can be going through a life situation, a family circumstance that's well beyond your, your, your understanding or it, it can be so painful that you feel like you're ripping your heart out, but somehow in the middle of all that, you've got a peace that passes understanding. It might be ripping your heart out and you feel like, you got, I don't know if I can cry any more tears. That affliction is only for a moment. Because there, your, your, your joy will come again one day. It will not last forever. It might change the course of your direction forever, but it doesn't have to steal your peace and your joy forever. And when we're in the middle of those circumstances and situations, it's hard for us to see our way out of that. And the last thing you want is somebody coming up and telling you what I'm telling you now. Because it feels good sometimes to be in the middle of that thing and, and try not to have to have hope beyond the circumstance that you're in. Because let's just face it, when you're in the middle of those things, you can't even muster up enough faith or confidence or hope when you're in the middle of a circumstance that's well beyond your ability to get yourself out of. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
You're there in this place, you feel like you're in a pit, you feel like things are falling apart, and you're going, oh God, can it get any bit worse? Can it get, you know, not only, and, and I, you know the saying, when it rains, it pours? Doesn't it sometimes when it rains, it pours? Your body's bad, the relationship's going down the tubes, and all of a sudden, financially, you get hit. And you think, can it get any worse? Then you catch yourself going, I don't wanna say that, because it probably could, right? And it just piles and piles and piles. And then the first thing we do when we find ourselves in that situation is, I've got to find some breath somewhere. So we begin to think about some changes that need to be made. And the first thing we begin to do is, first of all, who needs to go out of your life? How do I get them out of the picture? How do I get them to change? Or how do I get them out of the picture so I can move forward because I've got to have a little reprieve. I can't keep going through this. And then when you go through cycles of life that are repetitive and you seem like, God, I'm here. Every time I turn around, it's like, I'm here again. I'm here again. Different, maybe different players in the picture, but I'm here again. I'm here again. I'm here again. And you want to go, I got, something has got to give. Something's got to change. The first thing that has to change is you have got to see that what you're seeing is only a temporary. There is something bigger, better, stronger out here in the unseen world. So if your first thing when a trial hits your life, boom, knocks you off balance, if the first thing you're thinking of is, I gotta fight back to get out of it, you're, you're only seeing it from the temporary. If the first thing you see when you get knocked off balance or get hit with a big affliction or hurt or pain or something that's just, gosh, it's spinning out of control, if the first thing you think of is, whoa, wait a minute, God, what's happening here? You either see it on the ground or you see an aerial picture. If your default is aerial, you'll get to see it from a spiritual perspective first. If your default is to just grapple and fight and get yourself through it, you might miss what God's doing in the big picture. Right? So for a, for a split second, you have to stop and go, God, what are you doing here? Because you have to trust that his plan is better than your plan. What he sees is better than what you see. It's higher than what you see, which means you gotta go higher to see it. Right? Our, our natural tendency is, I was, we were flying to India one time, and gosh, don't ever do it unless you have to. We were flying, and we hit some turbulence over in the middle of the ocean. And um, I mean, it was <laughs> some turbulence. And uh, we were right over the ocean, about halfway through the flight. And I'm thinking to myself, and I mean, it was just, I had Lindsay, my 11-year-old, with me at the time, and it was just rocking. And the pilot gets on the airplane, and he comes over on, on, on the intercom, and he says, listen, um, buckle your seatbelt. In fact, keep your seatbelts fastened. Don't be walking around the aircraft, um, because we're ex uh, there's a good chance we'll hit, so experience some tur turbulence. Well, it wasn't a good chance. It's happening. Okay? I mean, it was moving. And I'm looking at Lindsay, and she's 11, and that was her first long flight, and she's a little scared, and I'm, dad, I'm trying to be strong, but I'm probably more scared than she is. And I'm looking at her going, it's gonna be okay. And I'm thinking, oh, it better be okay. Here we are, halfway, we're across the ocean, we're in the ocean. So the, the pilot says this, he says, I'm thinking to myself, we got one or two, you, what do you do? You hit turbulence in the middle of the ocean, halfway across the world, you got one or two choices. You land, or you go higher. You can't stay in the turbulence forever. So he says, 
we're going to increase our altitude so we can find some smooth air again. And I thought, well, that sounds like a good idea to me. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, that's life. When you hit turbulence, you have one of two choices. Most people want to land, get off the plane and be done. <laughs> Scared me. I don't want to ever do that again. Others recognize it's a longer flight than where you're at. And you got a little higher. You go higher to smooth it out. And then it smooths out, you get confident again. You go, yeah. And you're higher, you pass the storm or whatever that was happening at that moment and you keep going. Can you do that in real life? Can you hit turbulence in life even though you, it's completely unexpected or maybe it just knocked you off and you weren't expecting it, you're just maybe walking through the aircraft and walking through life. Things are going okay and boom, you get a bad report. Boom, something knocks you off balance. Boom, something just knocks you off your feet. Boom, something the unexpected happened. Boom, what do you do? You got one of two choices. You can get off the airplane and try to land and never get to where you're going or you just say, no, we're gonna go up a little higher. Amen. You've gotta go up higher in your perception for you to see and have the confidence again so your heart can be still and get your peace. Yeah. And how do you go up higher? How do you go up higher? You begin to recognize those scriptures in the word, right, that take you to a place of the promises of the Lord are yes and amen. And amen. Your answer to going higher, the first thing you wanna ask yourself, has, has the Lord done it before? Yes, he'll do it again. Yes. You reflect on your testimony of what the God has done for you in your past. Did God put you together? Yeah. Then why are you trying to worry about it all ending bad? Right? Did God put this body in place and heal you the last time? Yeah, then God's gonna heal you this time. Did God protect your kid when you couldn't even provide for your kid? Yeah, he protected them. And they grew up to be a pretty per good person? Yeah, well guess what? God's gonna provide for them as they get older and make decisions on their own. Well, they're not, they're not marrying the right person I think they should marry. They're not dating the right person they should have dated. They're not, they, listen, you, could, you didn't go to school with them. And they made good decisions and maybe some bad decisions, but the Lord turned it for good, right? Why? Because the Lord, you train them up in the way they should go when they get older, won't depart from it. Doesn't say it will be hard times. They just won't depart. They'll come back to that thing that was planted in them because the goodness of the Lord, that seeds are planted in the hearts of kids and are planted in the hearts of people, it has to produce fruit. The Lord spoke to me a while back and he told me, do not rely on your presentation, you rely on the word. Your presentation will not cause increase, but the word will. Right? Took the pressure off of me. Right? Because I'm not up here trying to pre do a marketing campaign to get you to believe and to sell you something. My confidence is in the word that I'm preaching and the scripture that I speak, and you guys are in trouble. Because if you're ground, and I plant that word in you, that seed gets planted, you have no choice to produce that fruit. Because that word, that seed, is going to produce the increase. It has to, right? If you hear the word of the Lord, it's spoken by the Spirit, you receive it by the Spirit, in your ground, it will produce fruit. It has to. It cannot not. Otherwise, the, word's, the Lord's a liar, and he, we know he's not. Are you with me? Are you following me? All right, so here's what you do. We don't look at the things that are afflicting us for a moment, even though they afflict us for the moment. It just comes to, doesn't come to stay, it comes to pass. 
it hurts, it's painful, and it seems like sometimes it lasts forever, but it's not lasting forever. It looks like it's lasting forever. So when you get hit with something that knocks you off balance, and some of you may be there right now, or you're going, oh God, I wish I could change this. This is really an uncomfortable situation that I'm living in, and I wish I could change. It is, but for a moment. It's a light affliction. It didn't even say it was a heavy affliction. It said it was a light affliction. Why? Because what is compared to that affliction is the, 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 the eternal realm of influence that you have working on your behalf. What you don't realize is you have a host of angels and the spirit of God living inside of you, all around you, guarding every step that you take. You have people and, and, and angelic and, and spiritual influences around your life that are guiding you and directing you by the Holy Spirit's direction. They're hearkening it to the word of your voice. They're, they're, they're moving at your command, right? They are. But if your command is less than who you really are, the forces that are around you are limited as a man think of in his heart. So what do you see? And who are you? Talked to a guy the other day. I was on the phone with him and he said to me, he said, man, I grew up in Mingo County. He said, you know anything worse than Mingo County? That's what he said. You know anything worse than Mingo County? I said, Nazareth. I've been there too. He said, Mingo, I grew up in Mingo County. And he goes on to start telling me all the things that have happened that have been wrong over the decades in Mingo County. And I let him go for the longest time. If I, I said to him, I said, you're either marked by God or you're the biggest fool that I've ever met in my life. And they look the same. He said, what do you mean? I said, you just rattled off about 30 or 40 years of stuff that happened in Mingo County and you're still there, you fool. Or you're marked by God and he kept you in 40 years in Mingo County to see some change and produce light that's coming from your life. He said, man, I never looked at it that way. I said, that's why you called me. Right? Is that true? You, you don't have the ability to curse the town that you live in if you've been there a long time. <laughs> Something's wrong. You can see a change. You wouldn't believe the family that I came from. My God, my sister's that, my brother's that, my other brother's this, my other sister's that. What, you're, you're not the black sheep, what you're telling me, right? Yeah. I'm not the black sheep. He's the black sheep. We got a lot of black sheep in my family. You know what? You just got a lot of sheep. What are you going to do? What things aren't turning out the way I thought they would turn out? They, they're not finished turning out. We've got to, to get to the place where the church sees who God really created him to be. Why he created us to be that. And we gotta start becoming it. I saw it. I saw 13 little boys pull in a, at Elm Street Park in Greenville, North Carolina, right off of East Carolina, East Carolina's University's stadium. 
They pulled in. They're looking around. And the field's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Turf. Here come a team of boys from Tennessee. Here come a team of, from North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama, Florida. Here they come, one right after another. Virginia, right after another. So I got Caden to the side, and I said, hey, Caden, I said, where in Arizona, or where is in uh, Virginia are they from? He goes, I don't know. I said, what about where are they from in Florida? I, I don't know that either. I said, wow, so you don't know any of those, where those kids are from? No, I just know they're Florida, Tennessee, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. I said, what's your shirt say? It says, Vincent. You still see Vincent or you see West Virginia? If you see Vincent, you'll see a little small community made up of four clubs, four teams, trying to compete against the whole state. But if you see that the Lord has promoted you and gave you the victories, and you've won, you've worked hard, you're representing a community bigger than you. That community should be proud, and they are, of representing the state. The state should be proud of representing them against all these other states. I said, Caden, the name of this tournament is the Tournament of State Champions. Can you all see that? Can you see it? It's hard when you're nine and 10 years old. What do you do when you're 50? 35, 60, 28. And you look and you go, man, Huntington, dilapidated houses, corruption, heroin, meth, prostitution, dirty, you're driving down, what do you, what, 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 what? is that the shirt you wear? Or when you walk in Glenn Sporting Goods or when you walk in Walmart or the bank or Kroger or Food Fair or wherever you shop, when you walk in, what shirt are you representing? Jesus came to Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night. He said, you have to be from heaven or from God or you couldn't do the things you're doing. Jesus looked at him back and said, I'm from Vincent. These guys are a lot bigger than me, a lot better than me. They're skilled. They got more money, more resources, better fields, more opportunity. No, he didn't say that. What'd he say? Nicodemus, you must. What do you see? It's about time you get a little cocky. About time you get a little swag in your step, a little arrogance. And I'm not talking about pride. I'm talking about sure, confident, courageous, bold. Do you expect to lose? 
or you're are just a wind waiting to happen. Do you expect a defeat or are you a testimony in the making? This isn't mind over matter or positive thinking or a Tony Robbins seminar. This is Jesus' message of the kingdom. I know your dad was an alcoholic, your grandparents were alcoholics, it's in the long line of, I know it's there. That's not who you are. Drugs have run in my family, man. My, my parents were divorced. My parents' parents were divorced. Parents' parents, parents were divorced. And I, I just know we're not doing well either. Doesn't have to define you. You don't understand. Man, it was prosperity way back up in the day, but last three or four generations, it's just been paycheck to paycheck and barely getting by. It's just been tough. Doesn't have to be that way to you. My, nobody in my family's ever owned a house or real estate. Well, good, you'll be the first one. Nobody's finished college, man. Nobody went through school. You'll be the first. Christianity is not a hard scientific, you know, trying to understand it. It's just not. It's practical, but it's also spiritual spiritual first and you walk out the practicality of it but it starts with how you see yourself the church has prided itself over the last several decades of just getting our sins forgiven getting our names written in a book that's going to take us to heaven one day and I can't wait for us to get there but in the meantime as you drive down the city streets of Huntington and not just the city streets of Huntington, as we were driving all the way down from to North Carolina in the last two days, as I was driving up to Martinsburg last week, as I've been driving all over the place, it seems like in the last few weeks, every city's similar. Houses are falling apart, boarded up, people aimlessly walking through city streets at two o'clock in the afternoon, no, no jobs, not working, just, just looking for direction and trying to find their next, you know, uh, short fix or whatever that might look like in life. You got prostitution growing and everything. All these things I could just name and, and I see, you know what, I, but, you know, I look at the church and I go, God, are we, are we dilapidated? Are we trying to get our next fix? What are, we, what are we doing? What do we do as the body of Christ? First of all, we gotta take it to the street. And then we got to preach commitment inside the house of God. Amen. Can't be a nomad. But covenant is covenant. Connection is connection. Relationship is relationship. Family is family. Right? Are you ready to go into fall? We literally have people all over the country this weekend. I mean, everywhere, all over. Vacations, working, baseball travel team, basketball travel team, they're everywhere. But we're gearing up. We hit August, you're gonna use muscles you didn't know you had. Spiritual muscles.
practical muscles. You're going to overcome some things because the Lord is going to thrust you into an, an, an environment in your life that you're going to have to be able to prepare in your mind that you're worthy enough to be there. Because he's made you worthy. There is so much more inside of you. There's so much more opportunity that's ahead for you. Our goal in life is not to fight afflictions. Our goal in life is to see the things that are unseen as permanent, eternal, and the things that we see temporary are just that, temporary. My goal, by the time we reach fall and through fall, is for me to toss you a pair of glasses, eyeglasses. And when you put those on, you're gonna recognize your sight looks in to a realm that your heart has always desired to see, but you didn't know what it looked like. And you begin to live by that sight more than the sight that you see with your natural eyes. And then life becomes a tool for you, as you be, instead of you becoming a tool for life. Afflictions work for you instead of against you. Trials and tribulations are platforms for promotion. Heartaches and headaches and pains are just setups for God to reveal who he is to you and through you. I'm gonna ask you a question. Are you ready to go there? For real? You've been there, some of you have been in Christianity your whole life. What if we peel off a layer that you didn't know existed, but you knew there was more to it? Let's peel off the layer. Let's look a little deeper. And the, more, the deeper you get, the simpler it becomes. Not more complicated, the simpler. Why? We got a generation of kids that God is putting in places that you and I had never dreamed would ever happen. And your kids the same. And your grandkids the same. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. Amen. Are you really ready? Yeah. No more struggling for just to get a breath. It's time to come out. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. God, I feel like we attended a funeral today. What do y'all think? I feel, I feel, I feel like we, I feel like we pronounced some things dead, <laughs> so we could live. I want to encourage you to 
get your fix on vacation and time off over the next few weeks. Because once we hit August, we're not gonna slow down, okay? Y'all ready for that? You're gonna see the city and the region change. It's already changing. I know we got stuff. We'll start with the church. I recognize that song. Can you sing it? Yeah, yeah. Not going back, I'm moving ahead. Here to declare to you, my past is over in you. All things are made new. Surrendered my life to Christ. I'm moving, moving forward. Not going back, moving ahead. I'm here to declare to you the past is over. Ready to move forward? Seriously, are you ready to go forward with everything you got? Your testimonies you're building from, the past hurts and pains all have to work for your future. It's God's gonna use it to, to his glory as we move forward. You better get ready because you're gonna be thrust out into a platform in your life that your heart's always desired and you kind of knew was already there, but you had limitations that were always in your way. You're gonna see those limitations are gonna be removed. The hindrances and barriers are gonna be removed from your life. And there's not gonna be any excuses. You're there. And God brought you there. Don't run back to the way it was. Move forward to the way God wants it to be. Are you ready? Father, in Jesus' name, I bless my brothers and my sisters. And I thank you, Lord, for creating the platform for us to be able to just to speak as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Everything's fixing to change because you're changing it. Thrust your people and raise them up into the next level of life that you call us to be. 
You can trust us with it because we're gonna trust you with it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.